TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. That clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here. On TuneIn, go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only twenty-five dollars a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile, get four iPhone 15s on us, and four lines for twenty-five bucks per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Well, they've got Del Curry inbounding the ball. They're going to set screens for Vince Carter coming to it. Also watch the quick pass to Curry after he inbounds. Curry has it. Carter trying to get free. Carter at the buzzer. And the Sixers hold on and advance to the conference finals. See, Ray, that's all we want. We that's want all. that moment again. Yeah, we're not asking for a lot. <laughs> Ray, it was either that or play the quadruple doink, and I figured that would be the highlight that would be better. Yeah, play. Thank, thank you. Thanks for small favors. As we root for good things, and we are joined by Derek Bodner. Follow, on Twitter, follow him on Twitter at Derek Bodner NBA. He is the Sixers reporter. His product is the Daily Beat newsletter, which is terrific. Derek knows this team as well as anybody. And Derek, we bring you on today for many reasons, mostly your expertise, but secondly, because Ray and I uh, separately have picked the Sixers to lose this series. And we're not happy with that. And we're hoping that you can change our minds. So, uh, I guess let us start with the obvious, which is the Sixers will win this series if Joel Embiid can carry them in a way that he is not in previous playoffs. It's been a great season for him. Should we have optimism that Joel Embiid can be Goliath out there? Yeah, yeah, and he's really the only – because I, I share a lot of your concerns, or at least what I assume will be a lot of your concerns – um, I have a lot of my own concerns. And the one thing that keeps bringing me back to the Sixers side is that Joel Embiid is just that good. And not only is he just that good, but it's not like 2019 where you're going up against another MVP caliber player, although I can't use that excuse for last year. Um, mm. But he's he's far head and shoulders above anyone else in this series. And I think the Sixers, despite any concerns I have about Harden and him not being maybe what he once was, he's still the best perimeter player that Joel Embiid has ever played with. I think Joel Embiid has more shooting around him than he ever has. And I think he's, you know, advanced in his understanding of the game. I think he is more prepared to handle Nick Nurse than he ever has been. He is the reason why I still did pick the Sixers in the series. All right, let me just throw in one quick quote, and I'll turn it over to Ray after this, because you quoted Embiid saying, I'm not going into a series hoping to average 40. They're going to get the ball out of my hands. So it's all about me really not getting frustrated and keep trusting my teammates, all the attention they're going to throw to me. I'm just here to make my teammates better. So I'm, I guess I'm just asking you to comment on on that being the approach. Yeah, I mean, he's – so the Raptors are generally one of the worst off, half-court offenses in the league. They do not score well in the half-court. That's especially true right now because uh, Fred Van Vliet is injured. He's had a nagging knee injury 
for most of the second half of the season. So the way the Raptors are going to witness is by turning the Sixers over, uh, forcing turnovers, getting out in the break, making this not a half-court game. Raptors are very good at that. They're the best team in the league at forcing turnovers. They play a super aggressive style of defense. And if Joel Embiid does try to force things, he could get caught uh, baited into some of those turnovers. The flip side is if he is patient, if he does see the movement around him, if he does react um, decisively and correctly, there are going to be open shots for the Sixers. He will find his teammates. His teammates have to make the shot. That's an entirely different conversation. But I think if he does come out with the right mindset, even if his teammates start missing shots, I think he's got to keep that because otherwise he can play into Toronto's hand. And really, that's the only way Toronto's winning the series is if they you know, demolish Sixers on the glass and if they force the Sixers into a lot of turnovers. Uh, so I think he has to avoid that trap. I think he's right. Yeah, I, I mean, the the NBA is really two different worlds. There's the regular season, then there's the postseason. Um, and, and, and more in the postseason, certainly, than in the regular season, is coaching really does matter. Uh, you know, how you, you pre- you're playing the same opponent night after night after night. Preparation, strategy, switches, things like that are, are critical. And how you utilize your personnel is critical. Uh, so it really does become more of a coach's game in the postseason than it does during the regular season. How do you see, because I think Toronto, to me, looks like a very well-coached team. Uh, how do you see the matchup of the Sixers coaching vs. the Toronto coaching in this series? Yeah, I mean, there's, there's, they are an exceptionally well-coached team. There's very few coaches in this league I have more respect for uh, than Nick Nurse. And I, you know, I would give them the edge. And I think Nick Nurse specifically is somebody who has caused Embiid some problems in the past. I think the Raptors specifically have some players who can also then disrupt James Harden in a way some other teams couldn't. So I think there's some concern there. Uh, you know, I do still think at the end of the day, having that MVP caliber player is going to be a big quiver that the Sixers have in their arsenal. Um, you know, I think give Joel Embiid enough time. I think he's going to be able to figure out what Nick Nurse has in store for him. But you're 100% right. I have a, a lot of, um, you know, I, I believe that Nick Nurse is a, a really good coach who's going to make the right adjustments. Uh, we'll see whether or not the Sixers and, and Embiid specifically can overcome them. Derek Bonner is our guest. Follow him on Twitter at Derek Bonner NBA. Derek, uh, there are 48 minutes in a basketball game. Joel Embiid is going to play what? We figure 36, 38? Yeah, maybe okay. 40, but yep. Maybe yep. 40. That leaves 8 to 10 that he is not playing. I understand it's a small part of the game, but it has been disastrous. What is the plan, as far as you can tell, for the backup center, the big man, when he's not there? A source of contention between everybody and the coach. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, Doc Rivers at the, the final game of the regular season said that, um, you know, Paul Reed is going to play against more mobile, perimeter-oriented big men, and DeAndre Jordan will play against, uh, you know, bigger, <coughs> excuse me, uh, bigger centers. Uh, well, you look at the Raptors, they don't really have a player that they play that's over six foot nine. Mm. All of them can pretty much shoot the three, and DeAndre Jordan has struggled in that role. And we've seen um, Paul Reed be used more in that role at the very tail end of the season over the final three games. So I think going in, they're going to play uh, Paul Reed as a backup center. Now, look, you talk to anyone around the team, and they really do not trust his decision-making, really on both ends of the court. After he makes a couple of mistakes, will that change? I don't know. I have my skepticism over whether or not um, you know, Doc Rivers will stick with that. But right now, it does seem like there might be a change for this series. He said it slowly so you could understand it there. <laughs> he did. He did. He did. <laughs> Good. Well, when you, know, when you watch, even though uh, Harden has, has struggled down the stretch here, 
Uh, and his shooting is off, and if you look at the percentages, it's significantly off, especially from, from three. But it seems to me that there's a pattern here that's pretty clear to define. It's if, if he can play in isolation, if he can isolate a player defensively, he's still pretty effective. Where he gets into problems is when he gets caught in a, when he gets caught in a switch, and all of a sudden he's up against a big, and he and he can't get that penetration. He can't get inside, uh, and that's one of the reasons why I brought up the coaching thing. I, I just think the ability to try and get Harden into a position where he's comfortable versus what the other team does well defensively is going to be a problem because they're one of the, you know the Toronto among their many strengths defensively is they're one of the best switching teams in the league. Yeah, no they absolutely are and they've got a lot of players who have a lot of real good uh, size from Scotty Barnes to Pascal Siakam, OG Ananobi, they have a lot of and their big men can all move their feet. So if you start off with let's say Scotty Barnes defending um, James Harden and Precious Achua defending Joel Embiid they can switch that uh, and be okay pretty much on both sides of that switch. So I think you're right. Rather than maybe seeing a whole lot of Joel Embiid, James Harden pick and rolls, you might see James Harden running a pick and roll with maybe Tyrese Maxey. Do something to try to get James Harden so he's isolated on Fred Van Vliet or Gary Trent Jr. or somebody like that who he has a size uh, mismatch against. And also who, quite frankly, Fred Van Vliet had that knee injury now for a couple of months. He's not moving like he previously was. I think you're going to have to be a little more creative in getting the right matchups that you want and getting you know James Harden to the point where he can be a, a real high-level scorer. I do agree with you that Toronto, for what they come out with in their base defensive scheme, is going to be a tough matchup for James Harden. So yes, the Sixers have to be a little more creative in trying to get the right matchups. Derek, we have not discussed uh, the, the, the 800-pound gorilla in the room, which is when they go to Toronto for games 3, 4, and presumably 6, uh, they will not have Matisse Thibault in the lineup because he did not get the second vaccine. Um, I know it's all speculative, but how much of a disadvantage do you expect that to put them at? Yeah, um, I mean, I think certainly on the defensive side of the floor, uh, that puts them at a huge disadvantage. This is a Toronto team. Like I said, they don't have a lot of, you know, sort of like what you would consider a, a high-level shot creator or a high-level perimeter score. What they do is they have four or five guys who can beat you off the dribble. And once they... To beat you off the dribble, they're real good at both kicking it out to shooters in the corners and also crashing the glass. They use those lanes that open up um, to get second-chance opportunities. And the Sixers, outside of Bible, really do not do a good job of denying dribble penetration. And I think Toronto is going, because they have enough, maybe not the high-level score, they have enough options, enough scoring options, where I think they're going to be able to take advantage of that to some degree. So it's going to be a pretty big loss on the defensive side of the floor, Flip side is offensively, you know, Toronto is real aggressive with their perimeter defenses. They like to trap a lot. Um, they like to send their their big wings to pressure the ball and try to force mistakes. In doing so, they tend to leave the corners open uh, for three-point shooters. When Matisse Seibel's on the floor, uh, you can leave him open in the corner with really no concern because he's not going to take the sh- he's not going to make the shot. A lot of times, he's not even going to take the shot. So I think that, that loss will actually help the Sixers on the offensive side of the floor. The question is whether or not they're going to lose it all back on the other end. And, I mean, this is not a team where you can lose very many of your permanent defenders because, quite frankly, they only have one. Mm-hmm. One of the things that uh, in assessing the series and conversation about it, all the breakdowns and analysis during the week looking ahead to this, uh, have made a point of, and totally understandable, is is the idea of, of Toronto's ability to win on the offensive glass. I mean, they are really, really good getting offensive rebounds. The stats certainly support that, and if you watch them play, they certainly support that. Um, and even Doc Rivers has talked about that's something we're going to have to deal with. 
Um, how do the Sixers go about neutralizing that? Because that's one of the things that really has, has helped Toronto in, in games. And if they're not shooting a high percentage, if they're still getting the offensive rebounds of second and third chances, it really offsets that. Yeah. Uh, I, 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 I'm not sure the Sixers can really stop it, but hopefully they don't get destroyed too much. I think part of it is denying that first dribble penetration uh, because one that, once that ball handler gets into the paint, um, it opens up, like I said, offensive rebounding lanes. Um, and I think that hurts them. You know, I think they're going to have to sell out a little bit to bring their wings in to get those defensive rebounds. That might cost them a little bit in terms of getting out on their own break, but I think it's something they have to do. And quite frankly, they just need more contributors on defensive glass. You know, I think if they do get beat off the dribble on the perimeter, Joel Embiid's going to have to step up to contest the shot. They're going to need Tobias Harris, James Harden, George Niang, Danny Green, Matisse Leibel when he's playing at home games. Um, they need more con- contributions from those guys. It can't be all on Embiid because Embiid's going to be rotating all over the floor and just got to be a much more concerted effort. Some of these players that don't necessarily play with a whole lot of physicality on the glass are going to have to uh, muster some up uh, because this is a team that is going to crash the glass. And not just like physicality. Toronto's going to come in from the perimeter. They're going to swoop in with their athleticism. Uh, if you don't have a body on them, it's going to be real tough to keep them off the glass. That is a maybe the biggest key in the series. All right, Derek, let us close with your prediction. Derek Bodner, um, what do you see? I do still have the Sixers. Uh, it might be six, might be seven. I don't think anybody would necessarily be confident in them winning a game six on the road. But then again, we saw them lose a game seven at home last year. So maybe I'm talking myself out of it. But I do still have the Sixers winning in six or seven. There you go. Check them out. Uh, the Daily Six newsletter of Derek Bodner. Follow him on Twitter at Derek Bodner NBA. Always a pleasure. Thanks so much for being our guest. Thanks for your expertise. Yep, thank you. Thanks, Derek. There you go. Ray, he, he picked the Sixers. Yes, he did. And I'm not doubting his sincerity. No, no, no. I but think he's. Certainly, I think, no, certainly I think, was not. It was not an overwhelming endorsement. No, it was not. I, 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 one of the things I really like about. I mean, I like a lot about Derek. I think he's a really smart basketball guy. But he's, you know, I mean, he covers the team. But I think he's, he views it through a very objective lens. Mm. And I think all the concerns that he laid out are perfectly, perfectly understandable. I mean, they're all. You know, everything he laid out uh, in terms of concerns are all the reasons that you and I are picking Toronto. So we don't see it that differently. But, you know, I mean, he does keep coming back to the one point that probably is ultimately going to be the difference. And that's the big guy. You know, I mean, he could, you know, he could put this team on his shoulders and carry him through this round. But that's what they're that's probably what they're going to need. You know, you know, I don't I don't think you're going to have. I don't think this is when the series is all said and done. People aren't going to be talking about Tobias Harris carrying them through. It's going to be it's either going to be Embiid or it's going to be out. Yeah, or well, you hope Harden recovers. But yes, to your point, yes, and and Beat is a beloved athlete in this town, and for good reason. He's great talent. He's fun. Uh, he's funny, and he had his best season this year by a lot. And it would be terrific if it translates into a long and great postseason. We'll see. Uh, let's get Joe up. Wants to talk about the Sixers. Hey, Joe. Hey guys, great show as usual. Um, got a chance to meet both of you guys at different theatrical events. Um, Ray, I saw uh, Peter Exile, I saw Tommy, and Glenn, you and I met at a callback for Guys and Dolls and sophomore players. Oh, nice. <laughs> um, I want to not necessarily disagree with either of you, but I want to look at it through another lens, the series. And I really look at the secondary shooters as the keys. I think, by and large, when you get rest and you've got veterans that have been successful – uh, with obviously some exceptions, that you're going to count on them to not just do what they're going to do, but do what they're going to do to draw the defense towards them. That leaves the players with open space, the 
players that can penetrate. So I really think this series, give it, given if that's a fact, this series kind of falls on Maxi and Harris because Maxi's got to penetrate and Harris has got to find his shot. If these guys can get close to 20 points a game, both of them, then I think we have a real good chance to win. Um, and as a backup to my point, remember the stat last year when the secondary shooter was Curry and he made 20-plus a game, the Sixers were something like 17-3 and three or 17-2. and two. So I really look at those two guys as a key, given the fact that the bigs are going to do their job. Yeah, Ray, what do you think? Yeah, I, I, I certainly see your point, and it can, it can happen that way. But generally, when you get to the postseason, you, you rise and fall with the big guys. You know, I mean, that's... More so, more so than the regular season in the in the in the playoffs. They they're the white guys that get the minutes. They're the guys that are on the floor in crunch time. They're the guys that either have to get it done or not. And um, yes, Harris certainly has to contribute. As I said before, I think in the fourth quarter, he's going to have the ball in his hands a couple of times, and he's going to have the opportunity to to make a big shot. And if he makes it, it could be the difference. If he misses it, same thing. Uh, and you know, Maxi Maxi's going to be. I mean, he's. I mean, he's really emerging. I mean, you see him this year. He's really emerged as mm-hmm. as a guy who's on on the cusp of being a star. I think, but I don't think he's quite there yet. You know, I think the series. Everybody has to do their part, but the series is going to come down to it's going to come down to the two guys you knew it was going to come down to. It's going to come down to Embiid and Harden. And one of the things that I think the one of the ways the Sixers can win this thing is you know those are the two guys they're going to be on the foul line a ton the two of them, because they're going to have the ball a lot, they're going to get fouled in the fourth quarter, they're going to be on the line a lot, and they're both very good foul shooters. And in close games, and I think we're going to be looking at six, seven close games here, You know, having those two guys on the line in the fourth quarter could be the difference. So we got Jay up next, wants to talk about Aaron Nola, the conundrum of a mystery of an enigma that is that pitcher. And then we got room for your calls at 215-592-9494. Don't forget, coming up at noon to tell us your story with our pal Ross Tucker, and, Ray, this was a really interesting one because everybody knows Ross. They hear him on WIP. They see him on TV. They hear him doing you know, national play-by-play. But Ross's backstory, which I've heard bits and pieces, when he tells it in detail is a, is a fun and fascinating backstory. He's the grinder. He's the guy who was never the superstar but lasted seven years in the NFL and came across some fascinating figures along the way. So it's kind of a different – we normally talk to stars. Exactly. Ross, a, God bless him. Is he's he's more of a star after his career than during? Oh, for sure. Yeah, more yeah. people more people know who Ross is today through his work, through the media, through his writing, and through his broadcasting, and did as a player. But the fact is, he came in as an undrafted free agent and played seven years in the NFL, five different teams, and for some great coaches. I mean, Marty Schottenheimer, Bill Parcells, Joe Gibbs. So I mean, he I mean, he never made a Pro Bowl, and he's not going to the Hall of Fame. But he he's a smart guy who absorbed a lot of football, and he shares it with us in the next hour. Yeah, so we're looking forward to that. But next, Ray, next, and let me tell people again, 215-592-9494. Uh, I, we love doing what we're watching. When I came up to Tommy and me last weekend to do it, I had several people come up to me and want to talk about sports. I had three times as many come up to me and want to talk about our TV and movie recommendations. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it happens to me every happens night. happens all the time. Yeah, all, all the time, all the right. time. So we're going to do that when you come back? We are, because, and people said to me, when are you going to give me another British cop show? I love the British cop shows. When are you going to watch a British cop show? I'm watching a British cop show. Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. 
News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively sports. Back clock at four. Doncic. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. Yes, and even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. If your day sounds like... We need the report ASAP. You deserve Modelo. If you've persevered through... You deserve this rich golden lager with a crisp but refreshing taste. Or if you overcame. Two more reps, two more. You deserve this ice cold reward. Medella, the Markable Fighter. Drink responsibly, beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. All righty, what we're watching is sponsored by Got a Door and Window. Buy any window or door and get the second at 50% off, plus interest-free financing for up to 18 months. Call Guided Door and Window Day 1877-GO-GUIDA or visit them at go-g-u-i-d-a.com. Ray, mm-hmm. I've got it. I got the new British cop show, and I'm loving it. And it's called Slow Horses, uh, The with the with which is the first word of it is a play on slow, S-L-U-G-H, which is a British cop. Uh, station slow house and it's it's based off of a series of novels by a british writer named mick heron who i don't know but is very popular in fact he is so popular in some circles that you know who wrote and sings the um the song that accompanies the opening and closing credits i do not know some guy named mick jagger whoa right yeah that's pretty good pretty good yeah i'd say (laughs) When you write something and, and Mick Jagger calls you and says, I hear it's going to be a TV show. Can I create a song for it? That's a pretty good start. It uh, it started a couple of weeks ago. It's on Apple TV Plus, And I find myself these days find, finding a lot of good programming on Apple TV Plus. I've told people what you can do is get like a one-month subscription for, I don't know, six bucks. And just watch all of these shows. Slow Horses. Um, stars an ill-tempered, nasty uh, Gary Oldman, a very good actor, uh, who hangs around the police station that he runs with holes in his socks and uh, hair that looks like he hasn't washed it in weeks. He is the boss of this fictional uh, group of policemen in a shabby building where agents of MI5, the British Intelligence Agency, are sent if they screw up. So anybody who's made a costly mistake but can't get fired is there to carry out the grunt work. These are the guys who spend all day sorting through the trash, for example. Mm-hmm. While he, Gary Oldman, hurls insect, uh, insults at them. He says, he says at one point, he says, you're useless. The lot of you. Working with you has been the lowest point in my disappointing career. Um, <laughs> you remember, I'm sure you watched the movie, Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy? Yes, I did. Okay, which he he's in. He stars in that thing. This is him if he went to seed and developed a chronic drinking problem. 
It's got a, tr- a very strong cast beside that. Kristen Scott Thomas is the very oh steely head of operations, mm-hmm. right? She was in the the movie that never ended, English Patient. I think it's still going on, as a matter of fact. Yes, yes. Yeah. So what, Kate Blanchett was not uh, available? Is that? No. Uh, this sounds like it was a role that was tailor-made for her. Yeah, sure. Uh, Jonathan Price, who's been in a lot of good stuff. He's a retired spy master. Jack Loudon, who's in a lot of British TV shows that I've watched is the young agent who recently arrived there after screwing something up. It will hook you in the very first scene of the first episode, which is a 10-minute hold-your-breath action scene. People who watch the TV show Bodyguard, which I recommended a couple years ago, it'll take you back to there with the opening scene of, oh, my God, is this happening? Uh, There's great tradecraft, which I like, spies and cops doing their work, not just sorting through the trash, but... As I said, these are the screw-ups kind of looking for redemption. You get their backstories. One guy blew up the blue, didn't blow up, blue, the suspect identification when terrorists uh, blew up a, a subway station. Another one left a top-secret paper on a train. They're not James Bond, in other words. Yeah, apparently. No, and they're mockingly known as the slow horses who've blown their career and are trying to get it back as Gary Oldman abuses them with insults. And by the way, very loud, close-distance flatulence. He's very big on that. Uh, I really like Gary Oldman. You talk about a versatile actor. Yes. You think you look love at, him in this. You look back on his career, my goodness. I mean, he's he's played everybody from the crazy drug-dealing pimp in um, um, uh, what was a true romance yeah, oh, to, yeah. to um, the role that he won an Oscar for, which was Winston Churchill. Yeah. And, and everything in between. He's, he's really good. He's, he's like an old... Just what's it? Were you using this word? I, I learned it from you. Desultory. Yes. Yeah. Unkempt. Uh, uh, head of the station. Um, it's really good. It's been a while since I've watched a top-notch British cop or spy show, and I have found one. Um, and here's a way I know that you're going to like it. The executive producer on this is a guy named Graham Yost who also did Justified and The Americans, which are two shows I really, really like. Yeah, I got on The Americans late, but that was very good. Right. As I say, the original theme song is written by Mick Jagger, who is a fan of the book. So hop on this show and hop on it now. It's it's only By the way, it's only six episodes. It's one of those British things where like they're going to do it, and then it's going to be done. They may have a second season, but it's six episodes, so it's not a huge investment of time. Slow Horses on Apple TV Plus is my recommendation for the year. And those people who like British cop shows, and there are many among us, catch this one. Well, good. I can, I can, I have not seen it, but I can offer a, an endorsement from Matt Pfeiffer, who's one of the actors in Tommy and Me. Oh, yeah. Uh, during our break yesterday, when we were just sort of sitting around, uh, he was talking about, because Matt just loves all kinds of theater, all kinds of movies, TV. I mean, he just consumes everything. And I really do trust his judgment on stuff. And he spent a half an hour talking about this show, how he's really hooked on it and saying all the things. A lot of he really made a lot of the same points you did and said this is really can't miss TV. And you respect his point of view. Uh, thoroughly. I think Matt's one of the smartest theater people, one of the smartest arts people I know. And you think that, you know, I know a little bit about TV. You do for sure. And yet you'll never watch this. Nah, probably not. I don't know why I keep banging my head with you. I don't do these for you. I, I used to do these for you. I actually... That's how it started, really. I used to... Right. It used to be me trying to find a show for you. Right. 
And then I kind of like gave up and now it's just, you know, I like good shows and I love sharing them. And as I said, I get a lot of feedback on this from the audience. And yeah. so it's really fun. Well, for there me. you go. Just consider it a public I know, service. But there's part of me, like everybody around you is saying like, hey, Ray, this is a great thing. And you're like, eh, you know. Uh, our producer today, Vince Quinn, uh, mm-hmm. is catching up on a show. It's it's not new, but it is very good. I watched it a couple of years ago. Vince is into it. Vince, what do you got? Uh, Kyle. <laughs> Kyle, I do this to you. I'm Kyle, I'm so sorry. That's all right. I really apologize. That's okay. I clearly know the difference, and I fall into this way too often. <laughs> it's it's an easy trap to fall into. I right. know. So, uh... is, you know, you're cousin all good so during the break glenn you and i discussed it i'm probably a little bit behind the uh behind the eight ball on the show i think it probably got off the air like three years ago 2019 i think it was so uh mm-hmm. but i'm a seinfeld fan i know uh it's not really up ray's alley definitely up your alley but uh, i always uh had uh I'll, I'll call it an admiration for julia louis dreyfus great actress <laughs> now uh <laughs> admiration is yes just okay, admiration yeah. yeah uh so this show's been out a little while but a friend of mine i guess just got into it himself not too long ago, and he recommended it to me. Uh, it didn't take much convincing for me to try it out, because as I said, Seinfeld fan. It's called Veep. I guess yep. it's uh, just an abbreviation for VP, Vice President. So Julia Louis-Dreyfus is the fictional Vice President of the United States. Her name is Selena Meyer. Uh, in what I'd call a political satire, it's the show basically just... You know, everything around her is kind of just on fire, so to speak. So she's sort of just running around constantly cleaning up what you would call PR disasters, I guess. And it's uh, it's really just one thing after another. It kind of teeters on, you know, like an awkward cringe comedy yes. type of humor. <laughs> yes, it does. Uh, yeah. yes, it does. And uh, I'm really only through the first season so far. And, uh, you know, like a lot of comedies, I would say it takes a few episodes to really find its footing and get rolling but uh once it did i really started uh enjoying it and i'm only like i said through a a few episodes here but i'm definitely going to stick it out i would definitely say it's worth it it's clever it's witty it's really well acted um besides julia louis dreyfus i wouldn't say there's any real big time actors um you can correct me if i'm wrong on that one but i do think it was very well casted and everyone is kind of right where they need to be um it's seven seasons on hbo max so for what it's worth, it gets the Kyle Quinn seal of approval. If you want, very to check good it out. show. I enjoyed. It. I watched it from beginning to end. That's uh, that's a, that I can I can actually comment that I saw that and I liked it. Oh, oh yeah, there you go. I liked it. Yeah, I did. Wow. I, well, you know what I liked about it? I liked about it because to me it was a very it was a very entertaining counterpoint to West Wing. I thought yeah. West I thought West Wing took itself way too so seriously. Pretentious there. Way too seriously, and I thought Veep was just a really funny other side of the coin look at the at that the government and the White House and, yeah. you know, the pomposity of the people that uh, that run this country. I just thought I'd, I, there was things about West Wing I really liked. I thought it was well done. It's Aaron Sorkin, so it's well written for the most part. A little over dialogue, but OK. But I, I really like the fact that Veep kind of kind of deflated the, the mythology of it. I thought that was really well done. And I and I'm and I'm with Kyle. I thought that uh, I, I, I Julie Lugard Drace is really, really good. She's awesome. Yeah. Glenn, you hear that? Looks like it's a uh, one nothing Kyle today on what we're watching. Right. <laughs> I didn't know there was going to be a vote. <laughs> no, Kyle, I'm with you on that. It's a great show, and it's yeah. Again, it's I uh, went off the air a couple of years ago, but th- these shows are always there, and that's a very bingeable show. I remember um, I had uh, surgery a couple of years back, and I watched two seasons in about three days, kind of recovering. So yeah, they're only thirty minute episodes. So yeah, that's great. All right, good stuff. Uh, all right, let's go to Robert in Germantown. What's on your mind, Robert? Oh, it's always a pleasure listening to you guys. I'm calling you the culture vultures. 
Wow. Actually, I think somebody else has already uses that nickname, but okay. That's cool. We'll take it. No, no. I mean, if I was programming a show on National Public Radio, you'd be my new Cisco and Ebert for sure. Well, thank you. <laughs> Except Ebert's no. got to start uh, watching more shows. Yeah. Did you see the movie at The Outfit? Have not, Ray. What's that? The Outfit with Mark Rylance. No. Normal actor. Great, no. great movie, guys. I have not. I have not yet. I've been My movie going has been sort of hamstrung by combination of Tommy and me and the NFL draft. I'm hoping to start catching up in, in a couple of weeks. Well, I'm right on the road now heading up to your show. I'm going to stop and get some barbecue here and skip back, I think, and then wander over. Uh, oh, the, nice. the, the basketball game tonight, the earlier caller, he's correct, I think. It's really going to come down to Embiid's going to see double teams permanently. Uh, the guy's got to hit their open shots. Tobias Harris in particular, he's got to step it up and make those shots. And Green and other people, for them to have a chance. I'm with you. I, I picked Toronto, mainly on the basis of the coach and no thigh bowl. Uh, the second thing I was looking at earlier, guys, I know we're all talking about the NFL draft, but I was looking ahead to my favorite draft, which comes in July, which is the NHL draft, and I noticed that four of the top projected prospects are being favorably compared to Bobby Clark, to two young centers from my hometown in Winnipeg, Manitoba, I, you know, maybe you can explain this to me. I just don't understand how the NHL draft works. It drives me nuts. In works in what way? I mean, they have a lottery. Is that is that the? I think I think they have some sort of cockamamie lottery, and it prevents people from doing things like the process, which may be good. But I don't know. I, I grew up. I, I grew up at a time when they didn't have it. In fact, they had a deal back then where Montreal got to pick two French Canadians before the draft. Yeah, well, and and yeah, they used to have a, like a territorial thing under which I think the Bruins yeah, also got yeah. Bobby Orr that way. Yeah, that's been right. that's been long. I mean, the NBA once had a territorial draft, which allowed Philadelphia to get to Will get Chamberlain. Will Chamberlain. <laughs> yeah, though those worlds don't exist. Although there's a part of me that actually would you can't do that for the NHL. I don't think we have enough talent here. But NBA, that'd be kind of good, right? Yeah. Well, um, and back the in the NFL draft back in the 40s had what they called the bonus pick, which was just purely luck. I mean, that was a pure lottery that all the teams, they literally dropped the name of every team in a hat and the commissioner reached in and pulled out the slip of paper and whoever that team was, and you all got the same number. Everybody got one vote. It wasn't like it was weighted by, based on record. Wait, this was the first round? Yeah, and it was, and they dropped was all the, the names Jay in a hat. Burwanger the com, era? The commissioner pulled one. I think it came after Jay Burwanger. It was more like, maybe almost like post-World War II, okay. uh, and they pulled it out, and that team, regardless of their record, got the first pick in the draft, and that was how, in 1949, as the defending world champions – the Philadelphia Eagles won the lottery, and that's how they got Chuck Bednarik with the first pick. Oh! Everybody wonders how you know how in the world and did that the wasn't e- territorial. That was no, it was just it was just they pulled it out of a hat. And Bethlehem and, was, and all that. And, stuff. Yeah, and number one bonus pick goes to Philadelphia, and that was how Chuck Bednarik wound up in playing Sweet. for the Eagles. Nice. But I, they, uh, at some point, they just thought this this is a pretty stupid idea, and uh, it kind of worked against the idea of trying to balance out the roster. So they got away from it, but that did exist for a few years. I'm anti-rewarding incompetence. Well, I, I don't want to open that door right now, but one of these days I want to talk to you about that because I, I don't like the drafts reward failure. You, so. well, yeah, I, I get it. Okay. Let me. Uh, Jay's been hanging here. Wants to talk about Aaron Nola. Jay, there's nothing so, good yeah. to say about Aaron Nola, but what do you got? Yeah, no, the, the, there isn't. Uh, and I'll, let me get to that in a quick. But I, I also want to remember another sports moment in Philly history happened this past Thursday, 46 years ago. 
It was the last hockey championship the city ever had. Mm -hmm. I want to see if Ray can remember. The last hockey championship was how many years ago? 46. Okay, was that the was that the Phantoms, I guess? No, the Philadelphia Oh, the Philadelphia Firebirds, right? The Lockhart yeah. Cup. Yeah, absolutely. I I uh, I, I do was, think the uh, Phantoms won a cup, which makes the statement uh, yeah. not accurate. But anyway, right. we, yeah, well, we got to get well, to NOLA because we got we to hit yeah, a break. Yeah, okay. Well, here's the thing. If we forget 2018, when NOLA was drafted by the Phillies, his scouting report said, number one, he'd be the fastest guy in the draft as a pitcher to make the majors, which was true. And number two, it said he had a chance to be a serviceable number three starter. If you take 2018 out of the mix, that's exactly what he has been for his entire time as a Philly. So I think we're just looking for too much out of a guy that that had one shining moment. I disagree. One shining year. I disagree. I think, and that was his best year. I think 2020, uh, limited as it was, was a very good year. Uh, I think 2019 was 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 a pretty good year as well. Uh, it's really been the last. It was 2021 to me is when he went sour, and and this year, you know, so far. So maybe yeah. that maybe that means I have a little more hope. Um, but I I I don't think he's I don't I don't think he's always been just a serviceable start. I think he's been more than that over the years. Right in here, Glenn Mack now, 94 WIP coming up at noon. Ross Tucker tells us his story. We're looking forward to that. Uh, but first, we check in with our doctors from Cooper Bone and Joint. Uh, you know what? My screen is dead uh, here, uh, Kyle. So tell me who we got. And Dr. David Gelt is with us. Hey, Dr. Gelt, how are you? Morning, happy uh, Easter and happy Passover, for everybody. Thank you. Same and to same, you, Doctor. Same to you. So um, we've got the NFL draft coming up, and always an issue with the draft, players coming off injury. Uh, we do think it's possible the Eagles are going to be looking at wide receiver. And there are a couple in there that maybe the Eagles will look at who seem to have some issues. And, and uh, you know, we always give the, the precursor that you have not looked at their medical reports and so on. Um but two guys who look pretty good are coming off of ACL injuries. Jamison Williams, who suffered in the national championship game, and George Pickens, I'm sorry, George Pickens suffered in the national championship game, and Jamison Williams uh, also, which really slowed him down this week. I think I just got that backwards. Anyway, um, used to be that a torn ACL was a real, real cautionary note, going to drop the guy back many, many rounds. Is it still? Is it is it something that if you're a team looking forward you worry about or something you think like ah that's you, you come off of that good as new? Yeah, I mean um, any injury is a is something you have to be concerned about and I give you a red flag. But nowadays with uh, with their techniques and technology, ACLs uh, are so common and we see it all a lot. And people come back uh, you know, after six nine months, they're doing you know moving along pretty well, and within that year or so afterwards, they're back to normal almost. Um, you know, it also depends on their rehab, but um, it is something you still have to be concerned about for sure. If, and this is very common in, in the NFL now, is that they have you know real high-level medical consultants that they talk to before the draft because of the investment you're making in these guys. Uh, and if, if you were sitting in the Eagles draft room on draft day um, and you were sitting there with Howie Roseman and Jeff Lurie and Nick Sirianni and 
we, we all have seen what Jamison Williams is, the, the, the kid from Alabama. We've seen mm-hmm. it as the 4-3 four, four, speed, electrifying player. But he tore his ACL in the national championship game, so that's January. Um, okay. And from all reports, his rehab has gone fine. The surgery went fine, blah, blah, blah. But let's say the Eagles come up at 15, and Jamison Williams is sitting on the board, and Howie Roseman turns to you and says, we love this player, Doc. What do you think? Should we invest the first-round pick in him? What is what really is the medical risk? What would be your would your advice be? You know, not no, not right now, not this high. Uh, I mean, it's a it's a great question, and, uh, and it's what you get paid the big bucks for. Um, I think um, you know, especially with needs, um, he'd be a, a great player, and if he does well and he comes back hundred percent, then you have a steal. Um, but it, it is a little risk. Um, I, I mean, I think with with our team, if we we had another. You know, speedster and a, but a bigger guy. I think it'd be worth worthwhile. But and we also have some defense we have to take care of too. Um, but I, I, if you want to roll the dice and, and say yeah, let's do it, then and I'm, I'm good for it. Right, that's a seal of approval. Sure is. Worked for me, and I don't disagree. By the way, Doc, the defense has got to be the priority. So there you go. Before I, we let you go, yeah. I uh, I like your uh, TV uh, thoughts these days, Doctor Gelt. You watching anything good? Um, what was I watching recently? Um, oh shoot! I, I actually started back on Billions because I haven't. Watched oh yeah, that. I back for a new season. About, yep. Yeah, so it's been pretty good. Great show. Um, I do also want to say that uh, the other week, uh, I want to change my opinion. I actually joined Team Ray for uh, the Phillies. Um, oh no, 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 no! <laughs> you can they go to a three and five start. You don't abandon ship, Doc. <laughs> no. No, we, we were to, we where you these, were. That's going to be uh, turned around. I, I hope no, so. it's eight games into the season. Come on, man, okay. stick it out. All right, all, all right. right, all right. We'll talk to you soon. And you're you're on Team Glenn on the Phillies. <laughs> I am for now, yes, but yeah, I'm, 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 I got I got one foot off the. Uh, they, obviously, the all right. <laughs> thanks, thanks for your medical expertise, and no thanks for your chickening out on the Phillies. <laughs> all right, guys, have a good one. Okay, doctor. Yeah, boy, he was quick to jump. Wasn't he? How about that, boy? All it takes is uh, back-to-back losses to the Marlins. Yeah, all right. Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. The clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here. On TuneIn, go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts.